To create the M sound, the lips are pressed together, causing the air to be blocked. I know how to say M, you fucking idiot. Hey up, and welcome to the Temple of Blair, episode 17, I believe it is. Uh, it's a weekly Metal News Roundup show, as, lo- as well as some other motherfucking rabbit holes and things that we can get into. Uh, there's no co-host today. Uh, the uh, other, uh, well, Tom, the standing co-host, is also being claimed, as well as Raw. Both have been claimed just by an ominous force, of which I, I don't understand nor recognise. Uh, so he will not be joining me today. But let's just kick straight off with some news, shall we? Um... It appears this week is like many other weeks. I'm seeing the pivots turn, man. It's gone. Um, we're moving from a place where uh, straws are being clutched at to provide some kind of content for the uh, the metal news media, and it's now pivoting towards products and tat. So when Raw is relinquished um, by the, the the forces, I'm sure he'll he'll come back to plenty of tat to talk about. So let's just go straight into it. Uh, I've got a bit of new music and some some news. Let's just fucking dive in. Let's just fucking go. Uh, so first up, Paul Stanley, man. Paul Stanley has a new song out with his R&B project, Soul Station. Um, why is this on a metal news roundup? Don't know. Just seemed like a bit of a laugh, not going to lie. Uh, if, if you listen to it, it is quite fun as well. It's one of those um, Zoom lockdown um, songs where everyone's in a different room performing. It's quite fucking obvious that it's not done live, even though it's made out to be done live. Um, and and secondarily, it's, there's a bit in the middle where Paul talks. So, like, there's music and things going on in the background. He goes, uh, "No matter where you are, no matter what you do, it's like, yeah, this is this is pretty, this is pretty cool, this is pretty fun." So, anyway, Soul Station. Um, what's the song called? I'm pretty sure it's called "Ooh Baby Baby," judging from what I heard in the actual song. Where is it? Come on, don't let me down. Yeah, "Ooh Baby Baby," nailed it. Right, next up. Alexi Leo's Bottom After Midnight signs with Napalm Records. So I was pretty happy with this one because um, obviously after the Children of Burdom split and all the things that came off the back of this, it, ca- it happened quite quickly, right? I think we had the Children of Burdom split, the legal ramifications surrounding that relating to the name, and then Bottom After Midnight appears out of the ashes of that. And Now, when that typically happens, it's very reminiscent of like your old sort of glam rock bands and your old rock and roll bands where say, fucking Dexy's Midnight Runners, something happens, and then all of a sudden you hear about Dexy's, and there's another band called Midnight Runners, and it's just like, oh, right, I feel like my Children of Burdom experience is kind of watered down now because we've got like this weird sort of acrimonious split where we're going to get a diluted version of what we got before. But um, you know what? Eh, it seems... It seems I'd rather it wasn't called Bottom After Midnight, um, but if it's just Alexi Leo doing Alexi Leo things on a different Alexi Leo outfit, I don't really mind. It's all above board. And if they've signed to Napalm Records, they've clearly got some sort of clout, and it's best just crack on Alexi Leo and try and produce some good motherfucking death metal-y kind of tunes for me. Do it. Do it quickly. Thank you. Um, so, Bottom After Midnight, released, well, said in a statement, we are far beyond thrilled to start working with Napalm Records. We feel that they can provide the best possible temple for a boulder called Bottom After Midnight to roll over the archaeologists who claim that metal music is on the brink of extinction. Since the world is more or less at a standstill right now, we are spending all the time we'd normally spend on the road making new music. Our new family at Napalm is giving us liberty to make music that you can bang your head to very soon. Thomas Kayser, managing director of Napalm Records, added, Welcome, Bottom After Midnight. I have been following the career of Axaleo since the first Children of Bottom albums, and I have been a huge fan. It's needed to say that we are delighted to finally work with such talent and we cannot wait for the first bits of music to be unleashed to the metal world. It will be, big capital letters, big. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All above board there. Happy with this. Um, right, what have I got? I've got some I've got some Phil Anselmo news, just because he's been a busy, busy, busy little boy. Pro shot footage of Philip Anselmo's On Minor performing at New Orleans Orpheum Theatre. Why did I sign like this? Oh, you know what? I think it's because... They had a live stream gig, and I think now it's accessible for free. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm going to listen to it. I think I intended on listening to it before this podcast so I could add a little bit more context and a bit more substance. But alas, I didn't. But I'm going to. I might quite want to hear what a depression call looks like. There's a picture of him looking all suave in a, a nice suit with a red shirt, so I'm sure it's all above board. <clears throat> uh, Blackmore's... Na- <laughs> yeah. 
I assembled all these news items like 48 hours ago. I was clearly in a completely fucking different headspace. <laughs> Blackmore's Night releases lyric video for O Little Town of Bethlehem. So Blackmore Night, Blackmore's Night is back at it doing folky fucking Christmas songs. I just thought that was quite funny. Yeah. Mark Vaccaro, general manager of Ear Music, where I believe... Is this where he's signed? Yeah, yeah, this is where he's signed. We celebrate the homecoming of a true music legend. Blackmore's Night started its wonderful musical journey with Edel. Edel? Edel? In 1997. Today, decades later, it's a joyful occasion to welcome Richie and Candice back and to plan many years of exciting collaboration for them and their new music and catalogue that has reached the hearts of millions of fans over the years. It's a nothing news item. It's a nothing news item. I just thought it was quite funny. I should have put this next to Paul Stanley, for fuck's sake. Uh, Blackboard's Night's return with our new CD. Here we come at Carolyn. <laughs> He's doing Christmas carols, everyone. That's awesome. <laughs> Iron Maiden's Adrian Smith has popped his head around the door. Uh, he's done a collaboration with uh, Richie Cotson, uh, who I believe was the former guitarist for Poison, um, releasing first single, Taking My Chances. So... Yeah, it looks like this has just taken everyone by surprise, which is nice and good. I like it when that shit happens. Uh, Adrian comments, I think Richie and I complement each other really well. He's a virtuoso guitarist, but he's got a real sense of melody. The whole thing just felt very natural. Richie adds, we found common ground in classic and blues-based rock. We both come from that mentality. We've been writing and recording together for the past year, and I'm ecstatic with the results. So, yeah, I believe they used to be neighbours as well, so I guess that's also, that's also why you complement each other really well, because... Adrian wanted planning permission for his fucking fishing pond or something. Um, I've listened to it. It actually seems all right. I mean, it's definitely like a guitar player's kind of song. Um, fairly mid- middle-of-the-road structure, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, uh, bridge, verse, chorus. But, yeah, it's pretty catchy. It's pretty catchy. It's one of them things where, you know, when you see people of a certain age um, coming out and having fun, it's just good to see them, <laughs> just see him cracking on, to be honest. It's just good to see him happy, healthy, and, and um, doing things. More importantly to me, this is probably the most newsworthy thing that's happened this week. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some metal tat. Uh, Black Sabbath collaborates with footwear manufacturer Lakai. Lakai? L-A-K-A-I. Lakai. I'm going to call it Lakai. I'm sticking with that. So California-based footwear manufacturer Lakai and Black Sabbath dropped a surprise capsule collection inspired by professional skateboarder Riley Hawk and the infamous heavy metal band's albums Master of Reality, Never Say Die, and We Sold Our Soul for Rock and Roll. So there's a lot of guff here. There's some lovely sort of van-style shoes, a lovely purple on the bottom, uh, a lot of shit like that. It's not too bad, actually, if I'm being completely brutally fucking honest. It's just metal tat, guys. Just metal fucking tat. Don't overthink it. It's just just merch. Uh, Gua teams up with Katot. Katoctin? C-A-T-O-C-T-I-N. Katoctin. I'm sticking with it. Katoctin Creek for Ragnarok Rye. So this is now another guar beer. No, of course not. It's fucking rye, innit? It's fucking whiskey. God, I'm a fucking idiot. The Berserker Blothar says, Ah, such a powerful spirit. A delicious sacrament to drink in preparation for battle. And I'll get you really, really crazy. We were quite surprised when guar showed up at our distillery, said the exasperated founder and general manager Scott Harris. Purcellville is quiet. Is a quiet town, so to have these intergalactic visitors was honestly a little stressful. We had to constantly keep an eye on them to keep them from breaking stuff, and they even had to, <laughs> even tried to eat our dog, Otto. The only way we could get them to leave was to agree to bottle their whiskey for them. Fantastic. Continuing this really fucking sad tirade of Metal Tat, Metallica Monopoly returns with M- World Tour Edition. Uh, featuring player tokens such as Lady Justice, The Death Magnetic Coffin, Ride the Lightning Electric Chair, Master of Puppets Cross, Metal Up Your Ass Toilet, and The Scary Guy. What the fuck's The Scary Guy? Oh, the, oh I see The Scary Guy from, yeah, from The Scribblings. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I don't know. The irony of Metallica being on a Monopoly game, given their tumultuous history with um, with revenue streams, is uh, <laughs> not lost on this um, amateur joker fucking piece of shit podcast person to the credit though it uh it can be purchased for 39.99 at metallica.com which isn't too bad to be fair for a absolute fucking highest highest fidelity novelty tat so that's off to you lads i'm sure they'll go somewhere one day motley crew launches its own line of hot sauce and fuck me is this high stakes fucking potentially high risk high reward so 
this is a, a hot sauce set. I don't think you can actually buy them individually. But here we go. The level, the level of creativity that went into naming these hot sauces is something to be fucking believed. Uh, Shout at the Devil Extra Hot Sauce. Live Wire Hot Sauce. Dr. Feelgood Jalapeno Hot Sauce. Primal Screen Scorpion Pepper Hot Sauce. Wild Side Garlic Hot Sauce. Home Sweet Home Mango Pepper Hot Sauce. So that's that. That's six. Six fucking... Six hot sauces for $75. So for that, you could buy nearly two Metallica World Tour Monopoly editions. Last in the Metal Tat round of this week, uh, Motorhead, along with Hillrock, limited batch of cask strength bourbon to be released. Um, That's pretty good, I guess. So right, in celebration of the 40th anniversary of Ace of Spades, Motorhead's releasing a limited batch of cask strength bourbon in collaboration with Global Brews and the award-winning Hillrock Distillery. Uh, limited to 100, sorry, 1,100 bottles. Uh, each bottle is hand-numbered and comes packed with a bespoke, bespoke Ace of Space gift box. Uh, so let's get a few of the details here. Uh, cask number one is bottled at 115.6 degrees and limited to 599 bottles at an ABV of 57.8%. Cask number two was bottled at 115.3 degrees and limited to 623 bottles at 57.65%. So that's pretty tedious level of detail between those two casks. Uh, let's see how much it is. Alright, it's 175 fucking dollars. And it doesn't look like it's a massive bottle either. It doesn't indicate how big it is. Uh, no, I can't see anything. But if you're, a, if you're a whiskey person and you've got some money to burn, I guess this is the right thing for you to do. Maybe. Perhaps. Anyway, yeah. So there you fucking have it. Metal tat. So as I've said many times, either on the show, in conversation, um, in any capacity... Um, social media these days tends to be it's sort of destined to be like a the never-ending scrolling obituaries section when someone dies as we've seen with Eddie Van Halen and a few other people this year um, everything you'll see is just a regurgitation of people competitively grieving over this particular person obviously if it's someone who's made an impact and things like that it's great to see this outpouring of um, memories experiences emotions trying to really conceptualize and articulate the impact this person had However, you know me. I'm 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 kind of like a I'm a pragmatist, right? I feel I'm a pragmatist anyway. So I think when I say scrolling obituary, what I really mean is these platforms that we're meant to be using for communication, it'll just end up getting bunged up with one particular kind of thing, and it'll be repeat on repeat and on repeat and on repeat. Especially as our generation gets older and more people start passing on who are of particular worth to other people, um, you'll eventually. Well, eventually, I think we'll have a propagation of like um, a propagation of those that kind of outpouring of grief, and I think the social media platforms, as a result, will just be inundated with a saturation of grief and of competitive grieving and of experience sharing and all these things. Uh, this week is no exception. <laughs> it's been 16 years since the death of Dimebag Daryl of Pantera and Damage Plan fame. Um, obviously. You know, as part of the metal community, that was a pretty devastating piece of news to hear and a, a devastating loss to endure. So I, I completely understand why uh, people like to commemorate the anniversary of that death and John Lennon's this week every year in some way or another. Um, but I'm not going to do that. I'm, I actually happened upon something. Well, I, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it in a different way, I guess. Um, I happened upon something earlier this year, which I can't find again, but it, it turned me on to a couple of things. And it turns out there's quite a, a chunk of um, Dying by Daryl death conspiracy theories. Um, and I thought this might be a little bit fun to dive into. The timing is inconvenient. It's slightly disrespectful. Um, but I think it's kind of compelling, right? Because conspiracy theories in general are quite compelling. But they also they also say quite a lot about what people will do to kind of make life a little bit more interesting. They can't really um, just sit around and accept that some bad things happen. There has to be an intricate network of things that are connected and that are driving events in the world. Um, So that's one aspect of it. And there's another aspect, which is if Dime was alive and you were to say to him, oh, yeah, someone's going to think that when you die, it was part of a satanic um, sacrificial ritual. He'd probably find that really funny. 
So I'm going to fucking dive into it. There's two theories I'm going to speak about. And by the way, this is, I'm challenging the audience this week, guys. So if you are listening to this, and, and I really appreciate for listening to this podcast in general, but if you've stuck with me this far, I'm really going to I'm going to beg you to stay with me because beyond all the things we've done previously on this podcast, this is probably the most nonsensical fucking trail of thought nonsense I've ever read in my entire life. And I'm going to regurgitate it to you for your entertainment, hopefully. Um today so again there's two there's two theories one which seems to suggest that Dan Bach's murder was related to um, astrology um, again it doesn't really articulate it's a lot of nonsense and then there's another one from this guy called Rocket Randy Cody or something is that his fucking name um, yeah Randy Rocket Cody he's a non-journalist who runs a, a, a like a conspiracy website anyway <clears throat> let's dive in let's dive into because we're all we're all as metalheads we're all familiar with the details surrounding Dimebag's passing terrible tragedy um, generally not too happy about it but let's just look at this other side of the coin to the you know the particular characters who seem to think there's more than meets the eye to this uh, horrible event so this was posted on a website called leagueunlimited.com I don't know what League Unlimited is it's not League of Legends this is before that time this was posted not three weeks after Dimebag was killed uh, by user Millwall so hi here we go stay with me please and I'll, I'll probably end up um, uh, I will probably end up skipping the nonsense well I'll probably the non-relevant bits but fucking stay with me right okay <gasps> The Etamenanki Etime- website, which examines the, his- the hidden history slash reality of Earth mythology, symbology, prophecies, ancient esoteric traditions, Atlantis, Mars, secret societies, and grand conspiracies, has offered an interesting theory about the murder of damaged plant ex-Pantera guitarist Dimebag Daryl Abbott, with the connection to John Lennon's murder, Pink Floyd, and The Wizard of Oz. So you see where we're fucking going here. Columbus shooting, fall of a metal star. Not too bad a title, to be fair. Late December 8th, precisely when the sun was at the galactic meridian, a deadly shooting incident took place at a rock metal concert of Damage Plant in Columbus, Ohio, leaving five people dead, including... We know this shit. We know it. The first thing I noted was that it happened in Columbus, an initial clue that it had ritualistic implications. Full stop. No fucking context. The second thing that arose in my curiosity was the fact that the shooting incident involved members of Pantera, whose name I had long, many years, noted was evocative of Ben Pandera, open brackets, son of Pandera, open brackets, close brackets, as Jesus is sometimes referred to in the Talmud and its ancient Egyptian form of royal Epthed, 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 E-I-P-T-H-E. I've not been doing fucking well in my, my speaking today, man. Pantra, Pantra-Ra, or the god Ra, Ra being prominent sun god. In the previous post, I commented, This is fitting in multiple ways. First, not only do we have the pregnancy, themes, messianic birth, Horace to Jesus, aspect prominently expressed here, but we also have a strong echo of the fact that the same theme primarily emanates from the rare Venus transit of June 8th, when Venus joined or mated with the sun thus making the son, or Ra, the father figure in the messianic pregnancy. Second, the father aspect, emphasised by the term Pantera slash Pandera and its biblical nature, together invoke... <laughs> fucking hell. The Pope, the father figure of Christianity, who I happened to bring up, potentially being relevant to the window. This is all complete nonsense. What the fuck is this guy on about? The guitarist shot dead in Columbus was named Dimebag Darrell Abbott, and the last name as Abbott would refer to the spiritual father heading an abbey, from the Syriac Abba meaning father, which is a Christian monastery. This reinforces the Pope connection, no it doesn't, and relates back to the pattern expressed recently through Pope Petros VI. What the fuck? Thus does not technically conform to the nine-month echo scheme, the manifestation of the Pope or son slash Babylon king, theme was explicitly mentioned as something we could expect for this window in my December 3rd post. Though it was perhaps more an intuitive comment than a strictly pattern-driven one. It's also fitting that the guitar hero's death was a fall of a metal rock star, metaphorically expressing the heavenly stone theme. Particularly appropriate when added that meteorites are well known for sometimes containing iron or metal. A meteorite would therefore be a fallen metal rock star, which Dimebag's death was. Fucking hell, he managed to fill an impi- entire paragraph making a an, an, an uh, allegory 
around the word fucking rock star and falling star. Fucking idiot. Through the city's name Columbus, we are also guided back to the starting point of the 2004 Omen, the Super Bowl on the anniversary of the Space Shuttle Columbus disaster, as well as to the no- November the 12th, sorry, November 2nd election for which Columbus, Ohio, became the most important capital and state in terms of the Electoral co- College. This is 2004, if you recall. This connection is intensified by Pantera being an Italian-Spanish word for panther since the Super Bowl this year was between the Patriots and the Panthers and the game was held in Texas where the Pantera guys were based. I don't understand... Okay, right. None of this makes any fucking sense. I don't even know what he's alluding to. I can't... I think what he's alluding to is the fact that the death of Dimebag Daryl was a cosmic inevitability. This is sort of what I'm getting from this. A ritual, therefore, the Columbus shooting was, apparently. Its coincidence with the sun crossing the galactic meridian was most likely by design. When people started to comment, it came exactly 24 hours after the murder of John Lennon. Sorry, 24 years after the murder of John Lennon. Similarly shot to death by a deranged fan. Well, there was almost a sense of expectedness. No, the you fucking idiot. But I did not expect where this was taking me next, tumbling down the rabbit hole. To the dark side of Oz. All right. How far through am I on this? Let me just check. Fuck me, I'm only like a third. I'm going to skip a few bits. Okay, as mentioned in the previous post, the shooter in Columbus was named Nathan Gale. I wrote, Nathan means gift from God, relatable to the Olympic Promethean fire, which is the centre of the grand super torch ritual complex we've been closely tracking here. More chilling, however, is the following. Just recently, I discussed the symbolic relevance of the Wizard of Oz in Stargate Cypher 2012 Part 2. Involving the issue of mind control, a link transmitted at the Athens Olympics closing ceremony. What the fuck is this going on? Anyway, right, let's just skip a lot of this shit. The following, the following points can collectively constitute a good starting point. We're at a starting point now, for fuck's sake. Pre, the pre-damaged plan band Pantera is relatable to the father of Jesus, who, through his Egyptian version of the sun, or sun god, the word Pope means father, and John Paul II in particular is a form of Sun King. More on this, more on this later. Dambag's last name, Abbott, is a variant on Abbott, which would refer to the head of an abbey. Uh, Dimebag was shot on the 25th anniversary of John Lennon's death. Okay. The Beatles' 1969 album is titled Abbey Road. Oh, does he get, oh right, I think he goes into some Abbey Road shit. Yeah, oh yeah, okay, sorry, no, this is completely fucking different. The Beatles' 1969 album is entitled Abbey Road, which was recorded at Abbey Road Studios. The Beatles' core writing team was John Lennon and Paul McCartney, or John and Paul. As in Pope John Paul II, <laughs> Abbey John Paul is interchangeable with Father Paul, Father or Pope John Paul. The fourth song on Abbey Road is Oh Darling, similarly echoed by the name Daryl, i.e. Dimebag. All right, so they're saying that Darling sounds like Daryl. <laughs> the seventh song is George Harrison's Here Comes the Sun, and the tenth song composed by the John Paul team is similarly Sun King. Right, okay. <laughs> On the Beatles' 1967 album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, a song is titled Lucy and the Sky with Diamonds. Lucy is loose for Venus, which is at the centre of the ongoing supertalk ritual, and Diamonds interacts with Dimebag before adopting the name... And Diamonds, yeah, interacts with Dimebag as before adopting the nickname he went by Diamond Daryl. So he's just making tenuous links with other things which make no fucking sense. A little more on point number eight. Right, just to be clear, he's saying a little more on point number eight. There, he's not numbering these. These aren't numbered in any way. There's no cohesion here at all. That cover photograph, uh, he's referring to Abbey Road, uh, the album here, has since become one of the most famous and most imitated album covers in recording history. The cover also supposedly contains clues adding to the Paul is dead phenomenon. Then he bangs on about the Paul McCartney death conspiracy theory, which is obviously full of shit, but it's a bit of a laugh. Um, ba 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 ba. Yep, there's 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 nothing. Okay, it's intriguing it that in this urban legend, John Lennon is portrayed in the Abbey Road picture. As portrayed in the Abbey Road picture, represents a clergyman just as Diamond, uh, so Dimebag Abbott was an Abbott clergyman. Oh, God. And in the replace with a lookalike aspect provides us with an amusing possibility for the current Pope situation. Not necessarily plausible, but a possibility nonetheless. This means nothing at all to anyone. Okay, we get to the end now. Now on to the next level. Turns out the legendary progressive psychedelic rock band Pink Floyd also appears to have played a role in the Columbus ritual symbolism. For starters, their famous Dark Side of the Moon album recorded at the Abbey Studios carries a famous urban legend. Yes, another one, telling us that the music was secretly designed as an alternate background music to the movie Here It Comes, The Wizard of Oz. 
When news of this claim hit the major media outlets in 1997, it sparked a widespread interest in the phenomenon. A small community sprang up around various sites to further explore this idea. Whether the con- correspondences are real or imagined, fans of the album often enjoy the experience of seeing the dark side of the rainbow, as the combination is sometimes called. The sync is created by pausing the album, preferably the CD version, at the very beginning and unpausing when the MGM line roars for the third time. The members dismissed any relation between the album and the movie on an MTV special about Pink Floyd in 2002. It's a strange story, but the phenomenon itself appears to be real enough, certainly on the cover of Dark Side of the Moon, showing a beam of light through a prism filter to turn into a rainbow. can be seen as alluding to The Wizard of Oz, which features the famous song Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Okay. My initial breakthrough moment of realising the realistic significance of was when I found that Columbus, the Columbus shooting was preceded just the day before on December 7th by the rare oculation event involving the moon passing directly in front of Jupiter, clearly visible in the dark sky of East and Central North America. It was a special cosmic configuration when Jupiter, the planet god traditionally honoured by the Olympic Games, what, okay, and the planet that turns into a star dubbed Lucifer, equals Venus, in Arthur C. Clarke's 2010, a sequel to 2001, was directly on the dark side of the moon. Jupiter is also the Greco-Roman king of the Olympian gods and comparable on an earthly level to the Roman king's ship now embroidered by the papacy. Right, so that's the end of it. That means absolutely... From what I can gather, he seems to think that... Okay, name Dimebag has certain connotations in the biblical sense. Abbott being a clergyman um, and being on the sa- dying on the same day as John Lennon He's made a link with Abbey Road. Um, Abbey Road links to Pink Floyd. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. This isn't a theory at all. It seems to... I don't know. It, it feels like he's, he's trying to suggest that perhaps... Perhaps something like this was bound to happen by the alignment of the fucking stars and the clues are in our own culture, maybe. I don't know. It's full of shit. It's the dumbest thing I've ever fucking... Actually, no, it's not the dumbest thing I've ever fucking seen. The dumbest thing I've ever fucking seen is next... So there's this dude called um, Rocket Randy, or Randy Rocket... um, What's his fucking name? Randy Rocket Cody. Now, he seemingly runs a site um, called The Metal Den that occasionally does reviews um, and effectively does basically the most... Actually, you know what? He calls himself the world's most dangerous journalist. And all he does is spout conspiracy theories and sort of self-celebrates himself. It's really really fucking strange. Um, To give you an idea of what kind of stuff this guy talks about, uh, you can read the FAQs on his page. There's three questions. Why doesn't Rocket get sued for libel when reporting on famous people? It's called the anti-slap law. It's in effect here where I reside in Texas. It protects journalists from being taken to court. You will waste your time and be held accountable for my court costs. Do you fear for your life? No, I wear the full armour of God. There is absolutely nothing for me to fear. And the third question is, are you going to continue posting funny hoax articles? Of course, yes, I certainly plan to keep having fun and fooling those ignorant people who are gullible enough to fall for lies, like they do when devouring the utter BS pushed regularly by fake news heavyweights such as Routers, or Routers even, Hannity, Drudge, Alex Jones, CNN, and Fox News. So, when you read that question, it makes me think everything he's saying is a bit of a joke, and he's taking the piss, but regarding his Dimebag Daryl death conspiracy, he's gone to reporters, he's gone to the news on this, he's gone to other podcasts and he's talked about it, and I've heard a few interviews with him where he's speaking about it with some sort of sincerity so I don't I'm beginning to think it's I, I don't know what his um, his joke articles are but the surrounding you'll, you'll understand there's clearly an angle to this which he carries through to his other reporting which makes me think ah this isn't really a joke to him This is he, he takes this one seriously um, but yeah it's called The Metal Den I'm going to read extracts from it and maybe even skip a few bits but check out his site because it's fucking bonkers right here we go <sighs> Dimebag Daryl, MK Ultra Hits, Part 1. Fucking hell. Nathan Gale did not go on a mass shooting re- rampage of his own free will. I've determined through multiple pieces of evidence that I've come across during my independent death investigation that the late guitar hero, Daryl Abbott, of Pantera Damage Plan fame, was targeted by the United States government for assassination. The new evidence I have not only proves MK Ultra is real and certainly has existed for many decades, but also completely details how an unwitting American citizen can be mind-hijacked by Uncle Sam for insidious purposes. 
To fully understand how something like this could happen, you need to get educated on the history of the MKUltra program, the CIA mind war operation, and come to terms with not only the, the fact that it is the reality we live in today, but I also want you to fully comprehend the incredible damage that this program has done to millions of people over the years. Now, we are all facing the advent of 5G cell technology, with its intention in t- integration into our daily lives coming at full speed by 2020. By the, this was written in 2018. Which will allow millions of dangerous cell towers to be built in our country that can emit extremely high levels of radiation and can be weaponized by Uncle Sam during civil unrest. Unleashing wavelengths that can shoot directly at civilian targets in homes with ELF waves. Incidentally, he uses the words like CIA, government, and Uncle Sam interchangeably here. Oh my god. Alright. Where do we where do we start here then? Because now he's banging on about MK Ultra. Yeah, he's going. I'm going to wait until he comes sort of comes back to the damage plan bit. Okay, so he goes on about MK Ultra. MK Ultra, by the way, is is um, basically a theory that the government had a program to take those with a a mental or a sort of a personality based. Um, deficiency or impairment and weaponize them. Um, so people seem to think that uh, a lot of your main, your main people, let's say your, your Charles Manson's, your um, Lee Harvey Oswald's, that they weren't really killing people of their own free will. They were basically programmed to do so by MKUltra. They were fed LSD and programmed. Um, yeah, I know there was like there were certain experiments done in the fifties by the U.S. government in that capacity. Um, I haven't read into it. I'm not fucking going down that rabbit hole. Basically, that's what he's going on about. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna focus too much on what he says about these. Let's just stick to the actual conspiracy theory. Okay. <laughs> so his so his um, his entire his entire jib is is that Nathan Gale was programmed. What happened to Nathan Gale can happen to anyone, and it's time you realise that we are all under attack right now due to the tyrannical reign of the New World Order. It's time to stop using lame mainstream tactics to try and deflect the truth and continue living in denial about what is really going on today. There is a ton of disinformation about the fake mainstream news that is confusing a lot of people. This is trickery the satanic CIA uses to deflect any unwanted attention away from their covert operations. I have provided audio evidence where there's a link there where the announcement on the PA at the club at Al Rosa Villa says for the Lamb of God here they are damage plan I've also covered what is called the 23 Enigma as it relates to secret codes and signals left by the Illuminati in their dirty work to notify other members of the Freemasonry that they are indeed behind the deadly chaos the photo I provided was featured in an Ohio news story outline about the shooting and there is only is only one of many pieces to this complex puzzle. And he's put a picture of a literally a traffic cone which says the twenty uh, the number twenty three on it, which is presumably by some power cables somewhere. To solve this crime, I am approaching it like an occult ritual sacrifice investigation. Of course, you fucking are, mate. One MK Ultra researcher, as known to be funded by the CIA's front uh, organization, the Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology, was Dr. Ewan Cameron. Okay, he's banging on about MK Ultra again. Let's. Bring it all back. Let's bring it all back, mate. Let's do it. Okay. An expert in occultism and government sabotage breaks it down the best. The lone gunmen that we hear about in assassinations, assassination attempts, school shootings, etc. are mind-controlled individuals who are being programmed to carry out those missions. Ted Bundy, the son of Sam, serial killer, David Berkowitz, Oswald. Okay, Oswald didn't actually shoot Kennedy, but he was part of the process. Timothy McVeigh. Um... The Columbine shooters, John J. David Chapman, uh, Siran Siran, etc., were mind control individuals who are programmed to perform these killings. John Burnett Ramsey could have easily could easily have been a mind control victim. Patsy Ramsey almost surely was. Tens of thousands of young teenage boys were kidnapped and forced into the mind control training program called the Montauk Project, starting around 1976. Al Balak, under mind control, was involved in many of the areas of the secret Montauk Project. Project. After slowly recovering his memories beginning in the late 80s, he came to realize that there was at least 250,000 Mind Control's Montauk boys produced at 25 different facilities similar to the underground base at Montauk, Long Island. So basically, no one's ever murdered anyone ever. It's all, everyone's just been a fucking robot. Let's keep looking. Um, so he's banging on a lot about MKUltra here and he's not talking about a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of the actual damn conspiracy. Here we go. As I detailed in my previous reporting, Nathan Gale's last residence was located next to a Masonic lodge and police station. My research took me down the rabbit hole. The deeper I went, the more alarming the evidence becomes. 
the Pentagon would not allow any information related to Nathan Gale's time in the military, which was roughly a two-year stint, ended after the young soldier was deemed to be suffering from schizophrenia. Yet he was able to pass all his skills testing up to that point with flying colours. I was listening to a, like an interview that he did as well. Um, not Nathan Gale, the, this, this dude. Um, uh, Randy, whatever his name is. Um, and he keeps on going, yeah, you, yeah Nathan Gale, was, uh, he spent two years in the military and I was in the Marines and they really test you. There's no way, if he, comes, if he passes all those tests, there's no way he's got a mental impairment. I'm going to bet you any fucking money that this Randy dude actually did try out for the Marines but was uh, <laughs> discharged on those conditions that he did not pass those tests. There's no fucking way that he's... Um, there's no fucking way that he, he has enough inside knowledge about the Marines to tell you what Nathan Gale's impairment was or wasn't. Fucking idiot. Anyway, Nathan Gale, Dimebag, and the other victims of the Al Rosa Villa, uh, Villa mass shooting are sadly just more names added to the sky-high body count due to MK Ultra. Right, so there's a point here where he, he's posting a picture of a skull and crossbones with uh, the numbers 322 underneath. Um, he doesn't give any context to this until a bit later on. I previously shared a photo from the actual tragic event at Al Rosa Villa on December 8th, 2004. And clearly the bass drums are fitted with the classic Skull and Bones logo. And that's right, Vinnie Paul's drum set has got some Skull, skull and Bones on him. George Bush Sr., that's a, fuck, that's a bit of a reach already, former head of the CIA and president of the USA, was a member of the Secret Skull and Bones Club at Yale University, where it said future Illuminati members are groomed for fa- powerful jobs in society and the federal government so they can always remain control, in control of the masses. This club promotes the numbers 322, and they do do it in variation, which is key, because these numbers are important in Freemasonry and the occult. They will change the numbers around when leaving signals, such as 32, uh, which can become 23. Right, okay, so that's where he's getting... Okay, so he's seeing the numbers 322 in whatever variation that he can find, and assuming that the Illuminati has something to do with it. Great. Many investigators, including myself, feel that these are the same individuals behind all false flags events. 9-11, the JFK and RFK assassinations, along with the perfectly executed onstage murder of Dimebag Darrell. Again, I understand this is a very difficult story to register in your mind after having lived so long under government and brainwashing. So take a deep breath, gather yourself for the rest of the journey, and let me take you by the hand down the path of mind-altering insanity. You fucking bet, mate. <clears throat> he bangs on for ages about MKUltra again. The most outrageous fact for this entire story for me is how uh, former Pantera vocalist and known Satanist Philip Anselmo has the balls to put out an album in 2018 which totally makes him... that totally makes him out to be the poster boy for MKUltra. What? Human mind hijacking is not something to laugh about or make the central theme of your stupid music that makes fun of a very serious epidemic. All right, so <laughs> he's got a quote on the side of the page that says, Rocket Review, Anselmo and the Illegals choosing mental illness. Uh, zero stars. Hashtag worst album of the year. Hashtag mental illness is not a choice. Hashtag MKUltra. Nobody chooses to be mentally ill. Most have no clue what is happening to them. And in the case of Nathan Gale, who was mind hijacked by the US government and used to carry out their twisted New World Order agenda, it is my determination that many people involved in the Al Rosa Villa mass shooting were programmed CIA operatives, including damaged plant singer Pat Lashman, or Lachman. Looking at the ridiculous cover for Anselmo's insulting album entitled Choosing Mental Illness, all anyone with half a brain in their heads needs to do is gaze around for a second and they will see there is nothing more than crappy New World Order propaganda. And guess what? I'm not falling for it. Got it? Okay. (laughs) Okay, so the rest of this particular entry to the theory is mostly just talking about MKUltra and documentation pertaining to this um, the tests and things like that, it doesn't really allude to anything. But don't worry, guys. There's three parts of this fucking thing this guy's done. Okay. Damn, I do MK Ultra hits part two. Extract of some Damage Plan lyrics. When late Pantera Damage Plan guitarist Dimebag Daryl Abbott was shot dead at only 38 years old on December 8th, 2004, in front of an unsuspecting crowd, the very first live concert MK, MK Ultra assassination by the CIA had just been pulled off totally covert covert without anyone in the public questioning the mass shooting afterwards it is now the full all bold it is now the year 2018 i'm here asking some questions on behalf of all the victims of the mass shooting at al rosa villa nightclub in columbus ohio (sighs) steady on there mate steady on i'm conducting my own independent death investigation to see if there's any truth to the theory that the killer nathan gale was programmed by mk ultra in a remote control remote control robot to carry out the carnage blah 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 
There was a lot of animosity between Pantera vocalist Phil Anselmo and Dimebag leading up to the tragedy. Pantera was the biggest band in heavy metal, selling out arenas regularly. Millions of their albums got purchased, however, when they were abruptly taken off tour in 2001 due to 9-11, the entire game plan was changed on them. Anselmo became isolated and was no longer interested in going to Texas to record with the band. It made things really difficult, on top of the fact that Anselmo OD'd on heroin in 1996. Heroin is a noun in this case. Uh, And there was still a lot of tension from that near-fatal incident. As I have been told by many witnesses close to the band at this time, there was a really intense rivalry and jealousy going on between Anselmo and Dimebag, even after they became an international sensation. Yep, speculation and conjecture. Thanks, mate. This is well documented, all bold. I was at a super, uh, super Joint Ritual concerts in 2003 and 2004 before the Al Rosa massacre, and Anselmo typically spoke negatively against Dimebag right up until just before the shooting went down. Then I noticed Anselmo started to play nice. He wished the Abbott brothers the best of luck with their new band Damage Plan. Jesus Christ, okay. The vocalist of Damage Plan was a dude named Patrick Lackman, and he basically shaved his head to try and look exactly like Anselmo, the bald macho guy look. Like any well-groomed CIA operative dazed under the evil spell of MKUltra, Lackman took his marching orders and played the park to perfection. It is my opinion that Phil Anselmo helped write the lyrics that would be sang by the band. This is why they come up so personal and so vindictive. Fuck me, mate. Many fans in attendance at the concert that night said when the shots began to be fired, they thought it was pretend acting, nothing more than part of the show. Well, then why did Mr. Badass Vocalist jump off the stage first, yelling call for help after the chaos erupted? How did he know that Dimebag was already shot and bleeding for real if he jumped off the stage and ran? After all, Lackman was seeing centre stage facing the crowd at the moment Nathan Gale, Nathan Gale stormed the, the interior of the venue with his gun. He could not see anything when this happened. The shooter moved behind the singer <clears throat> on his way towards shooting Dimebag at point-blank range. Think about it. My opinion is that Lackman already knew it was not a fake acting job because he was under MK for Ultra Programming 2, just like Nathan Gale, and that his alter was made fully aware that Dimebag was not going was going to be shot ahead of time and to make his quick escape after shots ran out. When I stood next to Lackman at another concert for his new band, The Mercy Clinic, roughly 18 months later at the Viper Room, he was clearly in an... <laughs> <laughs> He was clearly in an MK Ultra fog and was running on autopilot, like some kind of robot rocker. Robot rocker is in fucking bold. <laughs> the moment Lackman balls like a scared little girl without even verifying the carnage was indeed real confirms that he was in on the entire uh, clandestine government hinge clandestine government hit job. Total strangers jumped into action right away, including fan Nathan Bray, doing all he could to see if Dimebag was going to be okay. Yet this asshole was a wannabe hardcore metal look who is Dime's lead singer, does nothing but run off. Something don't smell right. Fucking hell, mate. (laughs) Nathan Gale was thrown out of the US Marines after being labelled a schizophrenic. Despite records indicating the young man passed all his major testing in the military, in boot camp, firearms training, etc., up to that point, showing no signs anywhere else along the two years he'd served that there was a mental illness issue. Schizophrenia is a label the CIA uses for its programmed MKUltra robots. <laughs> the US government foretold of what is going to happen when, uh, via predictive programming using the Hollywood film The Mancurian Candidate. All you need to do is examine the declassified CIA documents to fully admit that the clandestine operation existing in the past, which means they are still using it today. Fuck me, dude. This is so fucking... Ay, ay, ay. Okay. The psychiatry professionalism is a Nazi mind control science developed in Germany. Germany. All right, okay, good. Let's Now we're moving into... He's trying to introduce people to it again. Uh, I uncovered authentic audio from the Alrosa Villa shooting and clearly the, the MC... Fuck it, MC. <laughs> clearly the MC introducing the, va- uh, the band makes a declaration for Satan before the assassination uh, happens. He says, For the Lamb of God, here they are. Damage plan. So... <laughs> Some believe that the words spoken are for the love of God. However, upon closer analysis of the audio, a pro sound engineer who will remain anonymous made the determination that the V was never enunciated. The M sound what is recognized to be verbalized by the speaker on the audio. To create the M sound, the lips are pressed together, causing the air to be blocked. I know how to say M, you fucking idiot. Right, I'm going to skip that. So basically he's saying that the the saying for the Lamb of God as if it was a sacrifice. Okay, moving on. So he's posted a picture of um, what looks like like an evidence card or something like that. Um, if you, and he's, he's saying here, if you take a close look at the series of numbers on the right-hand side of the above-pictured police info card filled out at the homicide scene, 
you will see 1616 written, written at the bottom of the small form. And together, this equals 32. This is the calling card of the Freemasons! By leaving this specific numerology in promoted propaganda for the evil cabal, it alerts all of their kind to the fact that they are responsible for the assassination. Mainstream rock sites even mock the situation by putting out a cover of, with Dimebag posing as Jesus Christ, and this is the Metal Hammer cover, which I, I think it was straight after maybe the January issue, where it's just like Dimebag. Um, yeah, go on then, posing as Jesus Christ. Well, you know, Dimebag, RIP 1966 to 2004, all that stuff. This is basically the Luciferian's way of letting all their legion in on in on the joke. Just like I reported previously about the twenty-three enigma in that numerology means disaster to all this evil to this evil cabal. Thirty-two when turned around, flip two, invert itself, becomes twenty-three. So it seems they're trying to say that the police report and this police thing, which I don't even tell you what it is, to be fair, which is kind of annoying. Um, plus a cone have similar numbers, which correspond with an Illuminati calling card a bit effectively. And the final diatribe for this entry was that Nathan Gale complained about hearing voices before the Al Rosa massacre took place. And then uh, <laughs> it's like a JPEG of something called Silent Sound. This is how they put a voice in your head with a radio frequency. They call it the voice of the hypnotist. Voice to skull V2K technology was patented in 1974. Blah, 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 blah. It's a load of bollocks. Right, what's he saying for part three? The satanic-controlled military-industrial complex, including the FBI, CIA, and NSA, are pulling off covert assassinations of our favorite rock stars. Ritual sacrifice is the name of the game, for the Freemasons who are in control right now of the New World Order are totally devoted to worshipping Satan. And that means killing anyone who gets in the way of their agenda. Kirk Cobain, Chris Connell, Scott Whelan, Chester Bennington, Randy Rhodes, Dimebag Daryl. It is my belief that these rock, star, rock icons were slayed for the devil. You first need to understand the horrifying history of Laurel Canyon... Oh, for fuck's sake, blah, 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 blah. Former Pantera vocalist Phil Anselmo is a longtime Satanist, known to be connected to the Church of Satan, as well as Michael Aquino, a devotee of Crowley and LeVay, who started the offshoot cult called Church of Set. And then he starts banging on about Church of Satan for a while. Blah, 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 blah. Ex-Pantera vocalist Phil Anselmo is now pushing a campaign to reunite the band with a hologram version of Dimebag. As if his antics have not already been insulting enough, right? And there's a link to a Metal Injection article where Phil says he's not against it, but it'd have to be perfect or whatever. Something from fucking years ago. When I interviewed Anselmo several years ago, the subject of the Confederate flag was discussed and Anselmo tried to play, it off, play off the significance of, notorious, of the notorious white pride symbol. I didn't invent the damn thing, he grunted at me during our discussion. No, you most certainly did not. That is true. However, you must have been seen in public at concerts when you... You perform holding the flag in question, got it? Are you going to use your Neanderthal mentality to now to tell me that you don't promote hatred and oppression of people? Sure, you can backtrack now and pull down Pantera Confederate-related gear from your online store, just as you did after your interview with me, but in the end, you can't hide from the past when continue to spout anti-liberty, anti-Christian bullshit. Anselmo is a walking contradiction, like all Satanists. It is clear that, to see that his sole intent is to cause utter co uh, chaos and confusion. These mad elite take pleasure in knowing the knowing that others are dying or dead. The true Luciferian will smile to you in your face and laugh and mock your existence behind your back. Yet what does he do at the Dime Bash event in 2016? He shouts white power from the stage and tries to play it off like he's really not a racist. And then he's got a link to... Yeah, yeah, he did all that fucking Nazi shit. All people need to realise that Anselmo is not playing a role for... is, is playing a role for the New World Order that employs him. <laughs> Okay. Anselmo has always been part of the covert operation, the Fourth Reich. Nobody was smart enough to catch the man until I stepped up to the plate and knocked the theory out of the ballpark. He has been walking a walking advertisement of the Manson family his entire rock career. Think about it. Just as we see with Julian Assange, a government-controlled stooge pretending to be helping to be helping the American people thwart corruption, he is part of the problem and it is my determination, blah, 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 blah. Right, he's full of shit, this guy. I fucking love it. I provided authentic audio evidence from the Al Rosa Villa shooting where the MC can be heard introducing the band as a sacrificial slaughter of Satan. When he says the Lamb of God or for the love of God or whatever he says. I discovered the perimeter fence of the Al Rosa Villa Club was never torn down and rebuilt new for a, to be a more secure to be more secure for the future patrons and musicians that performed at that venue. That goes against what the club owner Rip uh, Rick Cartella assured he would do immediately after the massacre. Why did he not live up to that promise? What is he really hiding behind the dark mystery of Brother Dimebag's assassination? 
When the lead singer of Damage Plan, Patrick Lackman, quickly runs off stage when the gun pops begin to go off. He does not even start to see what is really going on. Many in the club thought he was just part of the show, perhaps fireworks being used to simulate gunfire. Well, any rational person who does not have a pre-programmed agenda would not have turned their back and run from panic. Any normal human being would have turned to face the problem, just as audience member Nathan Bray did when he gave his life trying to drag Dimebag's body off the stage. It is my determination Lackman, Anselmo, MK Ultra, Mastermind Aquino, and Cortella of Alrosa Villa, and many others in the heavy metal community, including the mainstream uh, news media, were involved in this false flag mass shooting operation. Jesus. What a fucking idiot. We must take into account now the government orchestrated false flag mass shooting at a concert in Las Vegas more recently as evidence that good Americans are being stripped of their rights of freedom of speech when speaking out against the New World Order. Truth or investigation, Charles Walton got his YouTube channel shut down when exposing the FBI below, whatever. We get the gist of it now, I th- and that's pretty much the end of the entry. It's just him fucking banging on about his own shit sources. It's really interesting. I say it's interesting. It's not interesting. It's somewhat compelling because I always try and wonder why people try and attach the uh, these meanings to things that are seemingly random, which obviously Dan Beck's death was. It was a fucking meaningless random tragedy. But in certain interviews that he conducts there's somewhere there's one where he's got he's taking a phone call from a guy and you can't hear the guy but he's speaking to him and he's put it out as like a podcast episode so you'll get him speaking then you'll hear in the background this, and he'll go yeah man Dimebag would have loved that and it's just fucking it's so stupid it's so fucking dumb why would he even put that out anyway in that conversation he's making really really sort of like heavily um Reachy, very fucking grabbing at fucking straws a lot of the time. Like, he, there's one bit where he says, uh, uh, Vinnie Paul, he hangs out with Carrot Top, and Carrot Top's brother is he's ex military. So, you gotta question, you gotta wonder, did he have something to do with it? And it's such bollocks, I fucking love it. Anyway, those are the two uh, dying back death conspiracy theories I'll t- I'm talking about today. I might even do some more next year if, if I find that fucking wacko, I find an absolutely insane one. And it's it's not insane as in as in like remotely plausible. It's all the most dumb bullshit I've ever read in my entire life. But uh, if I, if I find the, uh, the the one I found must have been about six months ago now, the guy did like a massive wall of text, including like pictures of Nathan uh, Gale's apartment and things like that. And he had like t- he had like two wallets and stuff. There was a load of tedious bullshit, which is hilarious. Um, I'll I'll do that next year, but for now that's fine. Anyway, that's how I'm commemorating the anniversary of Dimebag's passing. Uh, a little bit, a little bit left of field, perhaps a little bit disrespectful, a little bit playful, a little bit of uh, absolute fucking nonsense. But anyway, if you want to uh, reach out to the podcast, you can do by just googling Temple of Blair. We've bought the domain now. You can just contact us on the site, or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and all that bollocks. But uh, thanks very much for listening. And if you've stuck with me this far, congratulations, man! You, you, you're now a programmed MK Ultra agent. Thank you very much. It's good bluffing there.